1: everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall.
2: And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer.
1: And we're back with a special midweek episode to celebrate the Canadian Premier League 2022 season... Getting underway this week, the action gets underway on Thursday, there's a game between York United and Wanderers, Atlético Ottawa take on Cavalry FC on Saturday, then there's a pair of games on Sunday as FC Edmonton host Valor and champions Pacific FC take on the team that they beat in last year's championship game and the previous two-time back-to-back champions Forge FC in what is sure to be an absolute cracker out in Starlight Stadium in Langford. We've been looking forward to the new season getting underway and we've brought you a a number of interviews so far on the show. Episode 500 saw us chatting to Pacific FC general manager and co-owner Rob Friend just to chat about the Pacific Championship win and also his plans to bring a team to the lower mainland. Episode 503 saw us sit down for a chat with Valor FC head coach and GM Philip DeSantis and episode 504 we did exactly the same with Cavalry FC head coach and GM Tommy Fielden Jr. So in this episode we're continuing our chats with some of the head coaches around the league. We're going to speak to the new head coach of the CPL defending champs Pacific FC, James Merriman. Moving eastwards we're going to talk to FC Edmonton head coach Alan Koch, who certainly has a tough task on his hands with the Eddies this season. And then rounding off our interviews, we're going to chat with a man very well known to us here in Vancouver, former Whitecaps captain, legend, assistant coach at Cavalry FC, a new York United head coach, Martin Nash. Then we'll round things off with a quick look around the CPL, give you some power ranking, something we've not done before on the the podcast and just some general CPL chat. But we're going to kick things off with our interviews. And since the champs are here in BC, that's where we're going to start with Pacific FC. 2021 was their season. They were crowned CPL champions four months ago, December the 5th. Alessandro Horjapur's 59th minute winner gave them a 1-0 win over Forge and Hamilton. They finished third in the regular season standings, after stuttering a little bit down the home street, losing six of their last nine games. Just when it looked like they were going to be topping the table, they ended up finishing third, didn't even get a home tie in the playoffs, but they turned things around when it mattered. They got to the final, they won the final, they brought the silverware back to BC, and they'll be parading that in their home opener on Sunday against Forge. What a special day that is going to be. But it's been an off-season a change down Pacific Way. Head coach Pamuduka left for Texas, and FC Dallas's MLS Knicks Pro side, North Texas. Make sure you catch our chat with him that we had a couple of episodes ago as well. Assistant coach James Merriman was appointed the new boss on January the 21st this year. As Rob Friend said on the show a few weeks back, that was always the plan. Succession planning. James was going to take over at some point from Pa. He's been with Pacific since their inaugural twenty nineteen season, serving first under Michael Silberbauer, which seems like an ages ago now, and then Pamaduka. He was previously assistant at VIU in Nanaimo, then came to the mainland with SFU, where he was assistant with Alan Koch. For two seasons before moving to the Whitecaps Academy And working with a number of different age groups there throughout the years The 36 year old Nanaimo natives family have a long and proud history in football on Vancouver Island This is now the latest chapter in that for the Merriman family So sit back and enjoy our chat with new Pacific FC head coach James Merriman (laughs) Thanks for for joining us to, today, James. Uh, I guess it's a pretty hectic time. Just a, a week out now to the the start of the season. It must be very exciting for you. Yeah, no,
3: it's it's good. The energy is really good. The group's excited to have a game. Obviously, as is the staff and the organization. You can feel the buzz. Um, the stadium's getting ready. Uh, you know, they get doing all their preparations. So we're looking forward to it, and uh, you can feel it for sure.
1: So you're just over two months now officially in in the job as head coach at Pacific. How has this couple of months been for you? I can imagine it's just been a a little bit crazy, but when, when did you know that Pa was moving on and when did you know that
3: you were going to be taking over? Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until after, um, after the break, after the the Christmas break, when we had won the championship and everybody had kind of gone on their way to enjoy after a really long year and a long season lost a long couple of seasons, to be honest. And, um, so everybody needed a break and, and a much deserved break. And there was a lot of conversations happening and then we came back and, and then things started to move quite quickly and the transition happened quite fast. And then, uh, you know as you know you need to you need to get in and and put your head down and and get to work straight away and um you know catch up on where we're at and what we needed and uh to organize things for for the preseason. and uh we tried to to move forward as a club and as an organization as quickly as as we could and myself as well you know had to build build a staff and uh and connect with all of the players to to just you know send them a message and, and connect with each one of them especially the returning players obviously and then to our new players as well so it was a busy time but um that's 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 football as well right
1: yeah and for you like we we had rob on the the show a few weeks back and he was talking about your appointment talked that that was always the plan it was always succession planning that whenever pa moved on you were going to be the the guy that took over emotions wise for you how, how was it when when you got the job because obviously your family's got such a a rich involvement with football on the island like what has it meant emotionally for you and for your family to, to have this job now
3: yeah I think proud right uh, my family my dad's you know everybody we, we've been in the game my, my family's been in the game on the island um, my, my dad played here and he's obviously coached here for you know 20 30 plus years and had success at the university and you know, now enjoys watching our matches uh, at the stadium on, on the weekends with Pacific. So uh, it was a big moment for, for them and, and they're excited, um, but uh, they've been here since day one of the journey and it, it's an excitement and a, and a proud feeling, but also, you know, we've been a part of the organization, been a part of the club since day one and feel very connected to that with my family, with my friends with a lot of the players that we have that, that have come into the organization that we would worked with previously, we've kind of got that family feel here at, at the club, at Pacific. We want to keep that. Um, so I think proud and, and excited. And uh, yeah, everybody's been, everybody's been great. The reaction from, from especially friends, family and, and the Island community, they've been very, you know, kind words. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to get getting started and, and uh, getting after it, you know? Well, before we
1: kind of look at the the season to come, let's just rewind a, a little bit back to the championship. It's four months ago that Pacific won that. Does it still seem just like yesterday? What what was that final like for you?
3: It doesn't seem like just yesterday. I mean, we've been we've been working and we've had you know we're uh, we're working hard uh, with the new team and for the new season, but um yeah time time can fly as well and time goes quick. so the championship was was amazing. It was amazing uh, team performance and team effort from players from staff everybody came together you know we we had been in first place in the league and, and were doing quite well for a long spell there and uh, and we had dipped a little bit um you know coming in, into the playoffs postseason. So we came together as a group we came together as a staff, and uh, you know everybody did a great job to to maximize our performances and get what we needed done in those last two matches. And the championship was an incredible feeling and it's something that will bond that group and bond our group for forever. And it's something that nobody can take away from, from everybody that was involved there. So it was an amazing accomplishment and a great feeling and a great feeling for the club. And now we just want to build off of it. want to take that and take steps forward from it. You know, that's the, that's the plan. That's the purpose of that. So.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess as champs, you're going to be the, the team now that's that's got your target on your back as well. So you're going to yeah. be the ones that people's gunning for, which is going to be nice. But it's also going to mean that when teams come now to play or you go and play them, they're going to raise their game a little bit
3: absolutely and and that's something that's been talked about and and been brought up in all these conversations that that we've had and that I've had but the players know you know the player the players know that the the team knows that that's that's coming and it's also what they want it's what we want to compete and to win everybody wants to win and and also develop you know to to develop there's no easy games there's there's no easy games in this league anyways but even more now if a team's going to come, then you need to be ready right from the start. So we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. We need to have a good mindset, a good mentality going into every game. And I think we've got a humble enough group. Uh, they understand that. We understand that. We know that. And and uh, we look forward to that, those challenges every, every match, you know, embrace it. Yeah.
1: And you locked up a number of, of key pieces in the offseason as well. But it was also like, aside from you taking over and Pam moving on, there's been a lot of change as well in the off season. If we look mm-hmm. at kind of one of the the big things, which I, I know when we spoke to Rob, he said this is something the club want. They want to move players on to the higher level. You've moved on Caden Chung. You've moved on Lucas McNaughton. Both going to to TFC. Is that where the clubs at just now? Have these guys for a couple of years? And like you've known so many of these guys for many many years through through the Whitecaps. Mm-hmm to take them on to the next level, to, to move them into, I, I know folk don't like to look at MLS above CPL, but as things currently stand, that is what I guess the next level is for them.
3: That, that was always the vision, clear, right from the start of the project, right from the start of the organization. Um, you know, from, from our standpoint as Pacific, we wanted to bring in young players. We wanted to give them an opportunity to develop. We want to give them a platform to move to the next level. Whether that be the MLS or Europe or or a different market, um, that was always the plan. Clear, clear, is that we wanted to be competitive. We wanted to win games, but always, always developing players and giving players opportunities. Um, And with Caden and Lucas, that's what we saw, you know, right from the very start. We we knew both of those players uh, had big potential. And they needed this. They needed the, the repetition. They needed the games, the matches to get to where they are. And then you see how they're doing. They, they're doing very well. You know, Lucas has been great. He started again on the weekend. He's doing, he's doing a great job at yeah. TFC. And, and they've adapted really well. So I think, you know, players need opportunity to, to, to keep going. You can fall out of situations quite quickly. That, you know, that's how football is. And that's what the CPL provides. Um, But from our standpoint, at Pacific, that's always been a clear, clear goal and and part of the vision for our organization, for the club.
1: The thing as well with the CPL, it's players moving between clubs in the league. And we've seen it so much Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. And then obviously you lost two key pieces to a big rival in Forge with Terran and Hojapur going there yes how big losses are those for you do you feel and is it tough to lose them to a team that you're really going to be battling with for it for the championship
3: yeah it, it was difficult for those two players you know we, we've we had them in our organization from the start and uh, but that again you know clubs do this all over the world and uh and, and in in every league this this is something that happens and you know that also is showing that if if uh, a top team in our league Forge is wanting to come in and take players from our from our group, that shows what we're doing and, and where we're at as a team as well. Um, you know, we had we had uh, set goals for for them to you know make moves like Lucas and and Caden, but at the end of the day, the players make their decisions, and and that's up to them, and, and we respect that absolutely. Um, but I think that that happens in every league and uh, that happens all over the world. And it's, it's part of the growth of, of this league as well. And I think it'll continue.
1: Aside from the guys moving on, you've made some really big additions as well as a locking up, as I mentioned, a, a lot of the guys fr- from last year. Just to look at some of the, the guys that you've brought in, in the back line, I guess you can look at this if you want as like the replacement for Lucas is Amir Didic who I've been a big fan of for a couple of years when he was here with the Whitecaps last preseason. I was really hoping that they were going to to take a look at him and, and sign mm-hmm. him. He looks like a, a fantastic addition for you guys. And I know you might not be able to say this, but for me, I feel he's actually an upgrade o- on losing Lucas.
3: I, I don't know about an upgrade, <laughs> but um uh, you know, they're, they're both different players with, with both lots of quality. And, um, you know, it was, it was a big loss for, for us, losing Lucas, of course. But, um, you know, Amir has come in. He's got a great attitude. He, he, he's got a, uh, also big goals and he's an ambitious player and, and person. So um, he adds a lot to our group kind of on and off the pitch and what he brings to, to the team. Uh, again, we have Abdou Samake as well. You know, he's, uh, he had a great season last season and he's continued to build the last two years and excited to, to see what he can do. And Thomas uh, TMG is is back in the group. So between those three central defenders, it was a very, very competitive, um, but that's what we want. That's what we want in our daily environment. And Amir's come in and, and fit right into the group. So he's training well and, and I'm looking forward to continue working with him.
1: Yeah, defensively, you're looking really strong. And then you added George McImbilwa, uh, that had been with the Whitecaps for a couple of years. I, I guess you'll have worked with him probably going way back. What, what do you feel he's going to add to the group?
3: Yeah, I had, I had worked with George in, you know a couple of different times. I was never directly his coach, but in the academy, obviously, in Vancouver. Um, and George's got a great attitude. He's, he's very, very hardworking and humble. And uh, again, a player looking for an opportunity, right? He was in uh, with Vancouver, and and then all of a sudden he's out of a situation. So now he's come back in. He, he's hungry. He's humble. He's hardworking. He, again, he adds a lot to the environment. Um, adds a lot with his qualities as well. How we want to play, and and you know his ability to get up and down the field as a as an attacking fullback, as a as a wingback, and. Um, yeah, George is George's also come in and, and fit right in and, and he's doing a great job and we'll see what he can can bring to the to the year and to the season for our team, right?
1: And a, another addition, is I'll probably murder his name here, but uh, Genairo Daniels, the, the Dutch guy, he's got experience. DJ. With, DJ, that'll be the easiest way to say it. There you go. Um, He's got experience with Eindhoven and, and Utrecht. He seems a very interesting addition. The kind of guy that I guess this league is made for, a young guy from overseas that's looking to, to kind of prove himself.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Again, you know, in his youth, he was, he was trending and he was, he was doing very well playing for the Dutch national team. And, um, and then he'd, he'd, he'd fallen out a little bit. And he's come, come in very hungry. He's combative. He, 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 he likes to battle as a, as a target striker. He can play centrally or he can play in, in the wide areas. He's left-footed. He's got great size. He's, he's got good speed also um, for his size. Uh, he's a dynamic attacking player, striker centrally, or he can play neither in, in the wide positions, as I said. So um, I'm, I'm very curious. He, he's got good potential. And uh, he's, he's working hard every day. And again, we see when as the games come, we'll get to see more. And, uh, but he's, he's an exciting uh, exciting potential for sure.
1: Talking of curious, one of the guys that I'm very curious about is Umar Obaldi coming from the Rangers Academy in, in Scotland because that just seems so random to go from Rangers to, to come to, to Canada. How did that come about and, and what can fans expect from him?
3: Yeah, I can't. I can't speak too much about how it, how it come, came about, but we had good conversations uh, with Amaro uh, directly. He actually is, is friends with Johnny De Santos, um, uh-huh. and 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 through there. So Amaro's he's he's come in and he's, he's got a lot of quality on the ball, and he's got a great pedigree and background, and especially in his youth. And um, again, young. Uh, potential a talented talented young player that's that's working hard and and showing more every day he's coming a little bit late to the preseason so he's still you know adapting and adjusting but uh, he's he's got a great character and personality as well so he's, he's quite funny and uh yeah, that brings a lot to the group but uh good potential good 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 talent and uh we'll see as he grows into the season right
1: yeah it's always always so good to have guys that's got experience of the league and you've added a really big piece in Nathan Mavila, formerly with Cavalry, went away, he's come back to the league. He seems, of all the additions, like he could be one of the real key parts of this team moving forward this season.
3: Yeah, Nate, uh, you know, he's a player that I liked the first the first year in, in the CPL and that, that I took notice of straight away. Um, you know he's got that ability to get up and down the field he's he's got good technical qualities you know what I didn't know is his his personality and his character as much obviously through conversations and at the end of the match but you know not till you're working every single day with somebody you get to to learn those and uh he's he's been brilliant he's been great in the group and uh he's very funny character so he brings that as well to the team, you know, along with his experience and, and the success that Cavalry was very strong and, and, you know, the consistency and what, you know, he, he wants to come in and add to what we just did last season and his standard is high. And and then we also have Jordan Haynes, who, who you know, was a, was a rock in, in that position all, all season long and, you know, played a big part in our success. So it's very competitive for those two in the, in that left, um, that left back position in that's left side of the field. So, you know, looking forward to, to those two, it's, is again, what we want in the, in our environment, We want that to, to be competitive and that competition I think is very healthy. Um, and they're both, you know, mature, good professionals that have come in and, and worked hard and they've been, they've been excellent, um, since the start of preseason.
1: Yes, there's going to be some really good battles, I think, in, in the squad all, all year long. And it's such a long season and a gruelling season. You're going to obviously use your squad a lot. And we, we saw all the injuries that teams had the last couple of years. Last player I just want to mention is the guy that you've got on loan from the Whitecaps, Cam Habibula. He seems to have really hit the ground running in pre-season. I, I've watched him a bit in the coming through the residency and... Mm-hmm. He's a guy that needs to play to take that next step, and I don't know that he was going to really get the time here, which is obviously why they've loaned him out. And CPL does seem a much better testing ground for him than probably MLS mm-hmm. next pro. But what have you seen from him so far in the preseason games? Because he seems to have started strongly with you.
3: Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. He, t- he took goals. Uh, he scored a goal in the in the first match against Uvic and then he. You know, he added another goal. In the next batch, so he's, um. He's fit right in with the group as well. I I know Cam. You, you know that I worked with Cam for four plus years uh, yeah. directly. Uh, I was his I was his head coach in the academy, and, um, from the age he was eleven or twelve years old all the way all the way up until I had left, and uh, he continued on and and progressed really well and getting you know signing a contract, earning a contract. And then as you said, he's a player that needs to play. He needs he needs matches. He needs games. He needs to compete. Um, and so that's why we brought him in. And uh, he's fit in very well with the group. He, you can see his qualities. Yeah, he's He's got a lot to add. He's a very creative player. likes to play in those half spaces and and, and create in the final third, the final acts and assists, goals. Um, that's what he brings to our group. That's what he brings to to with his qualities. And he's a player I'm very much looking forward to working with again. And I'm excited to have him in our group this season.
1: And I think from his point of view as well, he wants to to show what he can bring to the team because he didn't really get a chance to show it last year. So I, I, I'm i very excited to see how, how he fits in with this. What is a James Merriman Pacific FC going to look like when you take to the pitch this season? Is it going to be much different from what we saw last season or is it going to be kind of more of the same but with a little bit of, of your own kind of style thrown in?
3: I think more of the same as what we've tried to build as a club. Um... But with my own with my own style, on top of that, and and added slight slight changes, slight differences. You know, there's also the group that's returning. You know, they they've put things on the table that we think we can do differently or, or better or improve on that we've tried to continue to improve on over the years. You know, which is uh, I'm thankful that I've been here since the beginning and seen the progression of the, of those players and those you know that group. So it's not going to be a ton of changes and, and a completely different style and way of playing, but definitely want to add my ideas to the group and, and slight changes. And also, you know, i have had great conversations with leadership players in our team, returning players and, and things that they see that, they, that, they really want to improve and goals that they've set, you know, individually and, and as a group. So, um, yeah, as the games come, we will, uh, you will learn and, and, and we will see and, and, uh, you know, that's that's the joy of it, is trying to get those ideas across and continue to work on them every single day and every match.
1: First game coming up on Sunday. Forge coming to to Langford. It's going to be a repeat of last year's championship game. It's a weird start to your season. Three home, three away, three home, three away. But uh, do you like that to, to have as a, a schedule so that you're not travelling back and forward?
3: Uh, we, can't, we can't speak about our schedule since, you know, the last two seasons we've started in bubbles. Sure. So, um, I'm, I, you know, we're happy to have a schedule, a set schedule. And I think every coach and the league is, you know, excited about that, which is a great opportunity for us to continue to grow as a league. Um, so, you know, we're fine with the schedule and, and, and we'll, it's great for us to, to have that first game here um in our in our home for our fans you know our fans that have been excellent and can constantly growing and building and you know we never got to uh you know celebrate or show them the the trophy properly or, or you know something like that so so on sunday it'll be a bit of a celebration for them as well where we can you know celebrate what we what we did last season and connect back with our fan group um, and have this stadium hopefully full and get that energy back you know that's that's really what it's about and it's it's a great match you know against Forges and Forge is a top team and we know that everyone knows that they've been consistently at the top of this league and uh, it's a great match for us for our group for for our players for our fans for everyone and we're, we're just looking forward to getting started
1: this season it's the first proper season really for a, a couple of years fingers crossed doesn't get derailed with any more Covid stuff but from the very first year to this year it's only really the second proper season. I I think a lot of people aren't really sure what to expect from some of the teams yet. The last couple of years like the the big three in regular season it's been yourselves, it's been Cavalry, it's been Forge. This year it looks like Phil DeSantis has put together quite an exciting team at Valor Ottawa seem a, a certainly a different animal to to last year. What are you expecting from the the league this season?
3: Yeah, I think what Bobby's done with Forge and Tommy's done with Cavalry um, since the very beginning. You know, we know that that's not going to change so much from from what they're going to bring and and how they're going to approach and where they're going to be. They're going to be in every game and they're going to want to be uh, winning the league and they're going to wanting to win games so that's that's not going to change but I think across the league every other team is going to continue to get better and continue to improve and that's that's what we're seeing and that's that's going to continue you know that's going to continue all of the other teams are going to continue to build continue to grow as the league grows and I think that's normal and that's that's very natural and uh, you know, it's a competitive league. That's what we want. That's what the fans want. And, uh, and us as well, we're going to challenge ourselves to improve and to get better every single season. And that's what it is. It's, it's only our fourth, fourth year, as you said, as, as a league, and, uh, it's only our second full season. Um, so everybody's going to get to see that that full 28 matches and, and, you know, even more for us, uh, with other competitions. So, um, no, I think I think everyone's excited. I'm, you know, everyone's looking forward to it. I'm sure every club, every coach, uh, all players are. So, uh, as I said before, we're just we're just ready for Sunday and looking at Sunday, and then we'll go one match at a time. And
1: the last two things I want to ask you is about those other competitions. First of all, the Canadian Championship. I, I spoke to to Phil Desantis about this as well, and to Vanni Sartini. You look at that top half of the draw. And every single team is going to think, oh, I like that. That's a good draw for us. Because obviously Pacific's had a, a good run in the tournament. The White Caps have struggled. You've got a buy to the quarterfinals. If you mm-hmm. get through the quarterfinal, in the semi uh, and hosting the final. And I know there's a lot of ifs and looking ahead there, but what, what are you thinking of that draw? It must be, although you don't want to get carried away, and take one game at a time. It must be something that you're looking at and thinking we could do some big things here.
3: It is, but but honestly, in, in a cup, in a cup competition, in in, in in you know tournament like you have to, we have to just stay focused on on the first match, and uh, it's so important. Um, it's so important for for us as a staff and for our group and, and for our players to take it one match at a time. Um, you know we we wanted more last season I know that and um you know it was a it was a, a good game and and a great team that we played against in TFC and in what that game was and, and who was on the field and uh, as was it here against the Whitecaps and, and it was a great atmosphere and a great great match played by us here at, at home and uh but the, but the, again, the group is hungry. The returning players are hungry. They want they want more. They want to go further. They want to challenge themselves. But I think you know every manager will, will say that uh, it's important you take it one match at a time in a in a cup competition. Yeah,
1: And I mean that Whitecaps game. The atmosphere was amazing. It's one of the best football atmospheres I've been at for years. And the stadium was just bouncing. And then the press box, it, the whole stand was shaking. I'm expecting it's going to be like that during the CONCACAF League games. How important is that tournament to the club? And what kind of atmosphere are you expecting? Because I think it's going to be another one of those magical midweek nights in Langford.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, again, to go back to the original the original vision and the original... Uh, Goals for the for the project for the club, you know, for the organization, straight from the ownership, you know, that's that's also was was there, you know, is wanting to be competitive, wanting to expand, wanting to be in all competitions, you know, wanting to be competing against uh, teams outside of our just our league and and get in and be. Be relevant in CONCACAF competition and be be in those competitions as a club, as an organization. It means a lot to our, you know, to the business side and to to the fan base and, and to what we're able. You know, we don't know who who we could host here, uh, in Langford. But um, it's important to the organization. It's important to the club and, of course, the players. Uh, you know, most importantly, they're 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 very much looking forward to it this summer.
1: Well, thank you as always for your time, James. Good luck to the season ahead. I sadly aren't going to make it over on Sunday afternoon, okay. but I'll get over to a few games. I'm definitely going to come to the Concacaf League games for sure, and who knows, maybe maybe see you uh, at BC Place for a, a cup semi-final against the Whitecaps. Okay.
3: Thank you very much for your time. It's good to see you again. Huh?
1: Okay. Take care, James. Thanks so much. Thanks to James Merriman there. Zach and me will chat a little bit about Pacific and the other seven teams when we do our power rankings for the CPL in the final part of this episode. Pacific will certainly have targets on the back this season as champions. They're the team that everyone else wants to knock off, as James talked about there. Now that's a far removed situation from the one that FC Edmonton find themselves in this season. It's been a, an off-season of turmoil for the Eddies, so we're going to move east next to talk about them with head coach Alan Koch, and we'll be back with that after this.
3: Hey, it's Marco Bustos. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April. English post-punk band Susie and the Banshees. that was their third single, Playground Twist, the only single to be taken from their 1979 second album, Join Hands, peaked at number 28 in the UK charts. And we'll have another song coming up from Susie and the Banshees to kick off the next part. Now in part one, we heard from Pacific FC head coach James Merriman. And we mentioned that he was an assistant to Alan Koch at SFU for a a couple of their successful seasons in 2012 and 2013, before moving into the Whitecaps Academy. Alan is about to head into his second year in the CPL with FC Edmonton, and it's been an off-season of massive upheaval for the club, as they look for new owners, with Tom Fath walking away and handing overship over to the league at the end of December. The team missed the playoffs last season, finished second bottom in the table. 20 players were technically let go by the club in the off-season. Only two were re-signed. Goalkeeper Darlington Moura and former Whitecaps residency player, T-Boy Faya. And it's been a slow build of an off-season. An off-season of turmoil, I described it as there in the first part. At the time of recording this though, they do have 20 players now signed as a squad. 7 are new signees to join the, the two that were held from last season. And 11 are loanies 2 from TFC... A nine from three teams around the CPL. It's been a bit of a mess. It's been a bit of a nightmare. By the end of it, they've got a team. They're ready for the 2022 season. And I think it's a team that a lot of neutrals will, will certainly be getting behind with everything that's going on for them. But what's it been like for Alan Koch this off season? Does he have any hair left? Is he still smiling? Well, let's find out. As we sit down for a chat with FC Edmonton head coach Alan Koch. When we call this land South Africa, the
4: cape of hope to the northern star, and the hope and peace will never be part.
1: So thank you for joining us uh, again, Alan. It's nice to see you've still got hair and yet you're still smiling because I think it's an off season that you wouldn't really wish on on any team or any coach that you that you must have had.
5: Uh, Michael, you know this. I'm I'm to the point. Honestly, this has been the most challenging, uh, difficult off season in my 22 years of doing this professionally. Um, it's it's been everything you. You can imagine there's there's been optimistic moments, there's been challenging moments, there's been silent moments. Um, But we are here today, Uh, and at the end of the day, I've said this to a few people now, I think the biggest positive out of this is Canada has not lost a professional football club. Uh, And I think that would have been catastrophic, not just for Edmonton, but I think for the entire country. Um, So that's a big positive, and and kudos to everybody that's worked very, very hard to keep this club in place.
1: Yeah, we were talking about that and it's like Edmonton was a, a, a city and a team that invested in football in this country before it was the popular thing to do and before the league and before all the attention of the national team. And it, it would have been terrible to, to, to lose the team. There'd been lots of rumours last year that, that Tom Fath was was going to step away. Then he handed the club to, to the league at, at the end of last year. Can you talk us through a, a little bit about what it's been like since that happened? Because obviously you let so many players go, you lost your coaching staff, you've had to get a lot of loans from from around the league. Just what you I mean challenging you said, but I think that's probably a, an understatement. Just talk us a little bit about what it's been like for you. Uh, honestly, it's,
5: it hasn't been fun uh, at all. Uh, I think last year I came here with uh, a plan and a vision to to try to do something special. I felt like we did a lot of good work on the field to take us from one point to 28 points. Didn't happen overnight. That took a lot of hard work to to progress from that perspective. But as the season went along, you could feel there were certain things that maybe weren't quite going in the right direction. I wasn't fully aware of what was happening uh, until the end of the year. Uh, and then we've really had to just pivot and adjust and, and mold and morph and and do so many different things to really keep this afloat. Um, we definitely had a plan. We wanted to keep a lot of the players that we had. We wanted to keep a lot of our staff, uh, but we we weren't able to, for a significant, significant amount of time, make decisions. And when you're not able to make decisions in football, other people are going to make decisions for you. Uh, and that's where we lost a lot of players. We, we wanted to keep Fraser Edge. We wanted to carry... They, they wanted to stay, uh, but uh, they got to a stage where they didn't have contracts, they didn't have jobs, and, and they had to go find other opportunities. Uh, the same happened for staff, too. Uh, I was very happy for, for Brendan Shaw to go join the Whitecaps, so we wanted to keep him. We wanted to stay, uh, and he didn't have anything with us. So uh, then there was an opportunity for the Whitecaps to step in, which they made an intelligent decision to, to pick him and, and bring him back to BC. Um, so those are frustrating moments. Uh, because you work incredibly hard to bring in players and bring in staff. Uh, but now we've had to adjust. We, we've had to pivot. Uh, I think we felt sorry for ourselves for a few seconds, uh, and we just got on with it. Uh, we are where we are today, and it's an organized scramble, to be quite honest. We, we've scoured everywhere to try find players. Uh, the league has put a mechanism in place where we assign players to other teams, and then they loan them to us. I completely understand why they're doing it. The other owners are paying our bills. Um, so they should be getting something for it. Uh, and that's why they put that mechanism in place. It's, it's not good or fun for us to be developing plays for other clubs. Uh, but for us to continue to have a professional football club for the league, not to lose a franchise, this is what we have to do. Um, so I feel like we're doing a lot of selfless work uh, right now to help this club, help the league. Uh, but I said this a year ago when I came back to Canada, uh, I've come back because I want to help grow the game. Uh, and I think a big part of that is continue to work with a group like this, help a club through a challenging situation, uh, and hopefully have as much success as we can possibly have this year.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's, it's good to hear you explain how the loans work, cause I was a bit confused, really, about why they were getting loans in, in bulk from other teams and just not signing with you. So I, I guess that's that's explained that. I mean, I, I think, it, I mean, I've known you for 10 years now and I, I know the kind of man that you are and you're not somebody to shirk a challenge. You're not someone to walk away. But there must have been times when you must have been thinking, do I want to do this? Should I go and look for something else? There was a moment, yes, 100%. Um... It didn't last very
5: long, to be honest, uh, because I'm committed to this. I I came here to try to turn a club around. Um, I took this job when the team had just got one point in the 2020 season. Um, So I felt like we did a lot of good work last year to progress and build the club up. Uh, We've now just taken another almighty punch. Um, But what are you going to do when you get punched? Are you going to turn and run away or are you going to stand and say, you know what? We're we're gonna man up. We're gonna embrace the challenge, and we're gonna keep on fighting. Uh, and that's part of this challenge. It's not a it's not a traditional challenge. It's not like I've gone to a football club where everything is smooth and dandy. I got gotcha, here. There were some challenges. We now have different challenges, um, but we're embracing it. We we have a new president who's come in, and he's working incredibly hard on the business side to to get everything. It's not going to be perfect by any means, and and he acknowledges that, but he's trying to put some building blocks in place. I think he's doing a good job from that perspective. And we're doing the same thing on the team side now too. Uh, We've been able to retain some players that are contracted to us. We've also been able to retain some players that have signed with our competitors and are getting loaned to us. Uh, But it it shows a little bit of confidence in the work that we did last year. There, There are some of our players that are coming back this year. I don't think people realize how much they've actually sacrificed uh, to stay part of this project uh, They've given up a lot to Say I want to go back to Edmonton. I want to be part of this And they want to help us build this um, So I'm very very grateful To have some of those players That have come back And are going to be part of our team this year
1: Before we look into this season Just to, to look a little bit back At last season And it, it was a struggle at times But as you said You, you turned the the team around from one point and being bottom, albeit a very short season, but to to where you were, finished second bottom, you were still there or there about the the playoff chase down to the, the last few weeks. Then when you see how the team played in that last game against Valor, was there an element of frustration as to where was that fight, where was that performance earlier?
5: To be honest, I think there was an element of realism in that game. It it showed how far we'd come because there were moments in that game where we played fantastic football, but it also showed uh, the challenges that we still had. Um, I'm I'm very much a realist, like we, to build something in this business, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and I think that last game at the end of the year showed how far we actually come during the course of the year, but it actually showed how far we still have to go. Um, the sad part is, I think we're going to go through some of those same teething problems again this year. And that's, uh, that's the big challenge. And uh, I think my wife and played the best a few weeks ago. She's like, You're the second year special. Uh, everywhere I've gone in my second year, we have mass success. The first year is a set, see what works, see what doesn't work. And the second year, we've knocked it out of the park. So it happened with the Whitecaps too. It happened at Cincinnati. Uh, it happened at SFU. Um, and we're hoping to do it here. But this is a little bit different now because we've been pegged back. We've been handcuffed a little bit. um, But we still want to have a successful year. We're still going to try and make the most of of what we have. um, But it takes time. Uh, And I think that game at the end of last year showed how far we had come. It also showed how far we still had to go. Uh, But this is a brand-new group right now. This is a brand-new team, a brand-new slate. Uh, We don't really look back to last year that much to to actually take that much in terms of where we're going to go. We're starting all over again.
1: Yeah. I mean, if if you had more of the the guys from last year, I think that that it would be fair to kind of look at that. Now, I I think I'm not probably going to be alone in saying this, and I know that you won't have this mindset, and I know that the, the team won't have this mindset, but to me, it feels anything but last place for this team would be a massive achievement with everything that you've gone through. But from what you're saying, it sounds like you're aiming for higher than that.
5: Uh, To be honest, I think anybody that put a a bet on us to finish last is probably a highly intelligent person today. Uh, Because if you look at our roster makeup and the mechanisms and the resources that we have at our disposal this year, we're not even in the same league as the rest of the teams we're competing against. We're, We're in a salary cap league where we are not in the salary cap. Um, so we're, we're so far away from everybody else. Uh, I think a logical and rational person would say, yes, FC Edmonton must finish eighth in the league. Um, but football sometimes is not rational and not logical. So it's why we're going to embrace being the underdogs. It's why we're going to go into every single game we play and we're going to fight tooth and nail to get something out of that game. Uh, every, every game we play, even though we're in the same league, in many, many respects, it's like a second-division team playing against a first-division team. Uh, and you go into that game with a bit of a chip on your shoulder, you've got nothing to lose, uh, and that's how we're going to approach every single game, all season long. So, yeah, people can say we're going to finish last. I think that's probably a smart, logical statement. Uh, but sometimes crazy things happen in this business, and we want to be one of those crazy stories.
1: Building the the team, building this, the squad this year, obviously we know, now you know there's a lot of lonies, but I... I can only imagine how many agents how many players that have contacted you over the the off season saying oh my, my guy would like to come or I'd like to come and play for you H- how difficult was it to kind of balance just taking people because like I know for example you you played a friendly against FC Tigers a team I know well and I know that the Tigers had hoped, oh, maybe they'll they'll take a few of our guys along, but you don't just want to take anyone. You want to take guys mm-hmm. that's going to make the team better. How difficult a balancing act has that been?
5: A challenge, because you're right though. Everybody in the rainbows reached out because the whole world knows we needed players, and we still need players to be quite frankly. We're we're not even close to having a full roster just yet. So when people see that, the agents, players, everybody. Automatically, everybody's going to start hitting you and saying, Hey, I've got a player, I've got a player, I've got a player. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to stay true to the process and what we're trying to build. Uh, we're league controlled. Um, so we, we've had to buy into and accept the philosophy. The philosophy is go young. We're, we're bringing in young players. So you mentioned the Tigers. The Tigers have some great players. Um, a few of them just don't fit the mechanism. They're, they're older than what we should be signing right now because we're. We're going to go in with the philosophy of signing young Canadian players and give those young players an opportunity to play. Um, So there are better players that were presented to us. I'll be the first to admit. There are players out there that we wanted uh, and have contacted us that may be better today than some of the players that we have. Um, But the players have to fit the mechanism. They have to fit the philosophy of being young players that have upside. Uh, And I feel very, very confident saying this. Every single player that we have in our group has not peaked. Even the one or two players that are a little bit older, and there's not many of them, but those players haven't peaked. Uh, I think they've done certain things on their journey, but they have the potential to get better. Uh, We haven't signed a 30-year-old journeyman uh, or a 32-year-old experienced pro. Part of the philosophy is go young, give these young guys an opportunity to show what they can do. And it's tough because when you're all young, uh, maybe we're missing a little bit of experience, a little bit of maturity at times. And I've managed teams like this before. Uh, It is a challenge you want to try find the right balance of youthful exuberance and experience, we're going to have youthful exuberance and we're not going to have much experience, um, but we're going to have to learn and grow as we go through this process.
1: yeah, I looked at this squad last night and I knew it was a young team, and then I, I saw some of the ages and it's like, wow, it's like it's almost like a pdl squad in in some regards. I was actually surprised that you had six guys over the age of twenty three because uh, I didn't even think that that you had anything like. That looking at some of the guys that that have come in, um, th- there's a couple of really interesting ones there for for me. Gabriel Bittar. Now I watched him when he played here with Carlton in the Nationals a few years back, and he blew me away. I thought he was outstanding, and there was no surprise then when Cavalry then picked him in the draft that year. But then he went back to college, and he hasn't really broken through in in the CPL. He seems like a, a guy, though, that this is an opportunity that he can seize with both hands.
5: I agree with you, and I've been very, very pleased with Gabby since he's come in here. but I think Gabby is pretty much the exact same as every other player that we have in our group. Uh, the other teams didn't want these guys, and, and that's something that we will gladly embrace these players. Other teams told Gabby that uh, he's not good enough, they didn't want him. Uh, and we've seen something. We've seen the same thing you saw on him a few years ago, and now it's about us trying to get that out of him. Uh, I want him to have a chip on his shoulder. I want all of my players to have a chip on his shoulder. It's, uh, I think the way things have unfolded, it's not your first choice to go play for FC Edmonton this year, um, but this is where you are, uh, and we're giving them an opportunity. We want to see these players take that opportunity because Gabby definitely has potential, and you, you saw it, and maybe, he, maybe he's been inconsistent or he's had his ups and downs, uh, but he definitely has something. Uh, and we're excited to try to get that and even more out of him as the season goes
1: along. I, another one that I was quite surprised that Valor let him go, which was Master Catcher, because I, I liked what I saw from him last year. So, I mean, he seems like a, a good guy to, to pick up as well for you.
5: A new master from his time in the USO uh, down in the States. And, and obviously, he was with Montreal's second team. Um, must have talented, must at his best is one of the best players in the league. Uh, and we've seen that already in preseason. You, you just have to give him the confidence to go do what he can do. Um, so him at his best, uh, which I think he hasn't shown in the CPL yet. I think he'll be the first to admit that. Uh, he can be a highly influential player in this league. Uh, but that's up to us to build that level of confidence, build that trust with him, get him fit, keep him healthy. Uh, he did have some injury concerns over the last few years. Uh, get him on the pitch. Uh, and make the most of him. So, yeah, I've I've seen positive things from him before. Maybe he hasn't been that consistent over the last few years. Um, But if we can get him back to his best of a few years ago, I think we're going to get ourselves a very good player.
1: I mean, That's the thing with consistency as well. In the CPL for the first few years, because teams are using their rosters so much, maybe players aren't getting as big a run in the team as they maybe would in the past, which I think now... With you guys, they might get that chance. And looking at some of the the loanees, like a couple of guys that that you had before, Shomit Showme coming from Forge. Tobias Waschewski, I, I think he was good to get him back. He he got four goals last year, and he he looked he looked good for you.
5: Toby was fantastic, to be brutally honest. This, this is a player who could have and should have played in the higher level uh, in Germany. He had mass success as a young player and hit a little bit of a wall. Um, but we managed to get him over here, got him confident, got him fit, got him back into shape. So we were highly impressed with him. But he's another one of these players. Him and Schmidt are two great examples. So is Gonzalez. that they, they literally want to come play for us. Uh, and that is why they're here. Uh, they've used the mechanism to sign for other teams, but they were adamant and committed to coming back and playing here because they saw what they got out of the experience last year. Um, so... We, we've gladly welcomed those guys back with open arms. they made a lot of sacrifices, to be quite frank, uh, to come back and be part of this. Uh, but players like Toby, players like Shamita, players like Azriel had good seasons last year. And this year, we want to help them have great seasons uh, because Toby and Az were highly effective in the final third. Um, Towards the end of the season, I think they really figured it out. We want to see if we can get them flying right out of the gates this year.
1: And last one of the the non. TFC lonies I want to talk about is Julian Ulbricht from York. He's so he's a forward. He obviously lost Easton on, on Garrow, and goals are are where in the past Edmonton have struggled a, a, a little bit. What 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 was it about Julian that you liked that you wanted to bring him in?
5: What's funny is Julian and Toby both have the same agent. And Toby's agent saw what we did for Toby last year, where we got him confidence. We, we had him firing all cylinders as the season went along. They reached out to us at the end of last year and literally said, could you do the same thing for Julian? Um, and I saw what he did before he went to York and he played a lot for York last year. Um, so maybe a couple of bouncers didn't go his way. Uh, maybe uh, football is a crazy business same. Um, So coming here being in a new environment, uh, I speak German so maybe that helps a little bit uh, It helps Toby get comfortable Maybe it's going to help Julian get a little bit more comfortable too um, So we're excited to welcome him we're, we're quite happy with our attacking players We, we definitely don't just have one pivotal player uh, I think Easton was that player for this club for the last few years I think this year we're going to have several different guys Guys that will start the game, come off the bench uh, We have a couple of different attacking options
1: Defensively then, that's where the last two players that... That I'll talk to you about They've come from TFC You've got Luke Singh on loan Centre back You've got Andreas Vaikla the, the goalkeeper that, That's come in as well They feel like Two really big additions for you I, With respect to everyone else That you've brought in They look like two of the guys that, that could help be Difference makers for you
5: I've been very impressed With both those guys Since they've been here For the last two weeks in training when we, when we scouted Luke Luke played in QWF Champions League games So there's not too many players uh, uh, that have had that experience outside of the Forge group uh, in our league. Um, So to have a player that's got that experience already for a young player, uh, we're very, very excited to welcome Luke. And he just needs an opportunity to play. For young players to play in MLS, it's not that easy. Um, So we're excited to welcome him. He's been very good so far. His mentality has been great. His work rate's been great. Uh, We're excited to push him. And he's a young guy. He's going to have his ups and downs during the season. It's not going to be a flawless season for him by any means. Uh, but I'm pretty certain by the end of the year, he's going to be a lot more confident. He's going to be a better player at the end than he is today. Uh, and with Andreas, uh, this is first-team football. You play for TFC 2, you play for Whitecaps 2, you play for any second team It's different. Uh, yes, they play in leagues where you play for three points, but uh, the consequences aren't as big. Uh, and now he's coming and playing for a team that a lot of people are anticipating we're going to defend a lot, and maybe that's why TFC have loaned him to us. I don't know. Um, but we're excited to embrace him. He's huge. He, he has a physique to play in top, top leagues. Uh, I think he just needs more game time to show what he can actually do.
1: Yeah, we were joking that those two guys, it's good loans for them because they're probably going to see a lot of action. They're going to they're get really tested. But like touching on that, I, I was surprised that that was the only MLS loans because you look at Cavalry and they obviously seem to have a really good relationship with Montreal, Cam Habedula has gone to Pacific from, from the Whitecaps, and we spoke to Nick Dazovich, and he said, some players, we want CPL routes, some players we want an MLS Next Pro. But having this MLS Next Pro now, has that kind of muddied the waters and made it more difficult for you to get guys on loan from these MLS teams? Because I, I would have thought that the CPL would have been a, a better test for them.
5: Um, it hasn't really changed things that much. I think TFC has been very... Uh collaborative obviously from a loan perspective uh the whitecaps are keeping most of their young players to go play in mls next we've we've had chats with the guys there and that's the route that they decided to go for their players but it doesn't mean during the course of the season there's not going to be somebody that comes up and it's the right fit Uh, because the cpl is different you are playing for three points in a in a true standing uh mls Next is is obviously their primary focus is development Uh, we have to develop but we have a league standing um so uh, we're going to continue to communicate with the Whitecaps to see who they have. We'll continue to communicate with Toronto. We were communicating with Montreal. Uh, the players that they've loaned have decided to go. Some of them have gone back to the clubs that they played for last year uh, and wanted to have gone to a club that they have relationships with. So we're going to work with all those clubs. The, the league has been managing that for us, uh, but obviously I have relationships with guys too. So we, we continue to talk to all the illness clubs in Canada, but also the clubs in the States, just to see who might be an option to loan at some stage during the course of the year. Obviously, uh, Andreas and Luca are here for the full season, uh, but we might get somebody in for four weeks, six weeks, uh, whatever the case may present itself for an individual player as the season goes along.
1: So, preseason's obviously been a challenge because some of these guys, I think you had some of them as trialists, some guys have come in late. What have you liked and what have you seen in preseason so far? And, like, at this point of the season, Kicking off in a couple of days, do you even really know what to expect in these first few games?
5: What I liked through preseason was we had eighty plus trialists come in, and it wasn't open trials. It was people that we spoke to agents. We vetted them. We we watched oh. videos. We we knew people, um, and it was invigorating to see all these players come in and fight for essentially a low contract, um, and that was energetic. It was. It was an eye-opener to see how many players are willing to, to invest in themselves to to come out for an opportunity. And we have rewarded some players through that process. There are players that came in for those trials that we've signed. Um, so that was incredibly pleasing. Um, Preseason-wise, it doesn't even feel like we've started preseason yet, <laughs> to be honest. We, we've just been in a mad scramble. Like we, We've we got three more days to train before the first game, and we're going to use those as three full days to try to prepare ourselves for this weekend. Um, but we're not going to be ready for the first game. Uh, Anything can happen in the first game, anything can happen in the second game, but we are definitely going to be a work in progress. You're you're going to see hopefully some good moments from us, but you're going to see some challenging moments from us, particularly through the first four, five, six weeks of the season.
1: You got your first taste of CPL last year, and it wasn't a normal season, but it was semi-normal, and it was a 28-game season. This year, it obviously feels like touch wood everything is going to be back to normal you've got the first games home and away everything like that in the last couple of years that there's been three teams that have really stood out and it's been cavalry forge and pacific there's been a different team make the playoffs in the last couple of seasons as well but this year like valor looked like they've strengthened ottawa looked like they've strengthened what are you expecting from from the league this season
5: I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think, and this is my assessment, but I, I think it's everybody's assessment. If you look at Forge uh, and Cavalry and, and Pacific in, in terms of investments uh, on and off the pitch, in terms of structures, uh, those are the three clubs that are the standard bearers for the league. Uh, and I think this last year you saw York rise and take that fourth spot um, and join those three teams. But I think now Ottawa Ottawa's had a fantastic offseason. I think they've got a very, very good team in place. I think Valor are going to be significantly better, too. Um, so you've got a group that are all trying to catch up to the big three, if you want to call them that, uh, and Halifax have floated with it. They've been in and out. Uh, Edmonton, Tadik, so we haven't really been there or thereabouts. I think we missed the playoffs last year by eight points, so we're not that far away. Uh, but our job this year really is just to stay with the chasing pack. We're, we're not going to be hitting at the, at the top of the league. We, we know for the most part who are those teams. We want to just be staying in contention. Uh, and once you stay in contention, anything can happen. Like maybe we grow. Maybe we get confidence. Maybe a couple of bouncers go our way. And before you know it, we're fighting to, to be that fourth team. Um, but uh, no, I think this year is probably going to be the best version of the CPL. Uh, I think the first year, uh, it was brand new. It was novel. Uh, and then we've gone through two COVID seasons. And, and this hopefully will be somewhat of a normal season. And you can see the established clubs. I'm sure they will still be at the top. Uh, and you'll see everybody else is fighting to try get into that fourth spot. Um, If you were to say at this time, are we trying to get in the fourth spot? No, we're not. We're just going to go day by day, week by week. Uh, And if we can gain some momentum and things go our way, that's going to be fantastic.
1: Well, I I know you like the underdog thing. Uh, You've done it with SFU, Whitecaps too. I don't think anyone expected that run that, that you had in the second season we spoke a little bit just before we started recording about Edmonton it's a, it's a soccer city it's bidding to to have world cup games there i know everything's still all up in the air with that and with ownership if edmonton was a world cup city i don't know how much you, you feel you can talk about this but would you think that that would help with an ownership group coming in or if they weren't to get the world cup do you think that would be a hindrance and what would be your message for people that are potentially eyeing up buying this team?
5: Honestly, I think it's an amazing investment opportunity uh, because you can see this is a soccer city and not just with the two national team games where they filled the stadium. You see it everywhere in this community. This is a massive soccer community. I think it's shown not just last year. I think it showed when they had women's games here in the past too. Um, I think the sky is the absolute limit for this franchise and for our sports in the city. Um, I think 2026 will be a nice bonus, but I certainly don't think that's a necessity for, for a new ownership group to come in and say, you know what, I'm going to invest and make this something very, very successful. I, I think everything is there in place. You, you've got the, the culture in the city. You, you have a very small, at this stage, loyal supporter base. Uh, and then it's about coming in, investing, growing it on the field, growing it off the field. Uh, I think whoever is contemplating buying this club, I don't think they should hesitate for two seconds. Obviously, they have to do all their due diligence, uh, but I think that really is something that could take off in the next few years.
1: Well, I mean, you just have to look. The number of Alberta and Edmonton in particular base players that came to the Whitecaps Academy over the years, not even looking at at Fonzie, but just other guys, it's just been phenomenal. The talent's there. I wish you all the, the very best this season, Alan. I know you're going to probably need it. Um, and I think everyone that's kind of a neutral is going to be cheering you on and wishing you well. And all the very best, my friend. Thanks, Michael.
5: I appreciate it. Thanks as always. And we call this land South
4: Africa The Cape of Hope to the Northern Star For the hope and peace will never be apart.
1: Good luck to Alan, who knows what this team will produce this season. You feel that anything but last place would be a massive achievement. We'll chat a little bit uh, about them with Zach in the last part. Edmonton uh, are one of four teams that didn't change their head coach over the last six months or so, Forge, Cavalry and Halifax being the others. Perhaps the biggest surprise though of the coaching changes came at York where Jimmy Brennan was dismissed as head coach and general manager after taking the team to the playoffs for the first time. And the man tasked with taking over is Martin Nash. He's moved to York after three seasons as Tommy Wilden Jr.'s assistant in the league at Cavalry FC. What's he got to say about it all? Well, let's find out after this.
0: How's it going, guys? I'm Ben Fisk. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
6: From the cradle bars comes a beckoning voice, a spinning. You have no choice.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of April, English post-punk band Susie and the Banshees. That was a song from 1981. It was their eighth single, taken from their fourth album Juju, and it peaked at number 22 in the UK charts. Spellbound. And hoping to cast his spell and bring success to York United, his first time head coach, and a man we know very well here in Vancouver, he's our captain, it's Martin Nash. Nash was appointed the new head coach of York United just before Christmas. As I said, it's the first time he's branched out on his own as a head coach, after being an assistant since 2013. He's had spells with Ottawa Fury, including time under Mark DeSantis. Then he had a spells assistant coach with the Canadian men's national team. And then four years with Tommy Wilden Jr. The first one at Calgary Foothills in the USL PDL, and then at Cavalry FC in the CPL. Leaving Tommy though, he's moved east to take up the reins at York. And York squeaked into the playoffs last season by a point after a run-in where it felt that no team actually wanted to claim that fourth spot. Can Nash take them to the next level? What will a Martin Nash team look like? And does he know of Tommy Fielden Jr's secrets? Well, let's find out as we sit down for our third and final feature interview of the episode with Martin Nash. <laughs> Thank you for for doing this, Martin. Been wanting to chat to you for a a little bit just before the the season started. So we're recording this on Wednesday. It's the the day before the first game. How's the nerves sitting for you?
7: Yeah, I'm all right. I was never too nervous as a player either. So, uh, you know, just uh, looking forward to getting to action tomorrow.
1: So you've been in the, the job for just over three months, um, since taking over from Jimmy Brennan just be, before Christmas. What's the, the past few months been been like for you?
7: Yeah, I mean, a bit of a whirlwind, uh, packing up and moving and shipping stuff and all that kind of uh, fun stuff. But uh, yeah, it was good. I think from kind of once I got here in early February for, for good, it was got settled and I uh, was able to start training with the team and uh, get to know the guys and start implementing um, some of the uh, habits and um, structure I wanted in
1: the team. You've been an assistant since 2013. Th- this is your your first branching out to to be a head coach. What was it about this job that attracted you to that? Why did you decide now was the time that you wanted to to take that step?
7: I've always kind of had that in my head when head coach. Um, You know, I've worked under some really good head coaches as an assistant, really enjoyed it, and always just able to bring my own ideas to the table. And um, when this opportunity arose and I went in for the interview, it was quite exciting because of the young talent that is in the squad and uh, the technical and uh, physical ability of the players. I thought it was a team that I can really put my uh, stamp on.
1: I mean, has it been quite a a big learning curve for you, or has it been quite a smooth transition into this now from from what you were doing before?
7: Uh, it's been a smooth transition. Uh, you know, Tommy was great with me. He he allowed me to do a lot and uh, um, gave me a lot of uh, ability to, you know, with talk, from talking to players to coaching sessions to everything. He really. Um, Gave me a chance to put my own stamp on the cavalry, so to speak. So uh, it really it was good for me, good preparation for me to take my own head coaching job. And So, no, it's been, it's been good. It's, you know, uh, it's been different really having to think about all the little things that you don't have to think about as an assistant coach. Um, but, you know, I'm, it took me a little bit of time to, to you know, from start of February to now just to get to grips with some of the things. But no, it's been, it's been really good. It's been enjoyable. Great group players to work with. Um, You know, I've got a great staff around me that's uh, positive and helpful, and not afraid to speak their mind, which is good.
1: The the last three years in the league with Tommy uh, at Cavalry, what what have you learned uh, about the league as a guy that's kind of Play at the top level before, were you surprised by the quality of it? Obviously there's been a, a lot of challenges with with COVID and, and various things like that, but what, what do you feel that you've learned about the league in the last three years?
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing and foremost, I've learned there's a lot of talent in Canada. Um, you don't really know when you don't have all these professional leagues and these players don't get the opportunity that there is in front of them now. Uh, this opportunity wasn't here five years ago. So I think first and foremost, the amount of talent in Canada Um I think from uh, the league standpoint, I think we have learned that the teams that press the best and are most aggressive tend to finish higher at the table. And you look at uh, obviously Cavalry and Forge for the first three years at the top of the table. Pacific weren't far behind last year um, and, and, uh, and were more of an aggressive team as well. So I think the teams that the aggressors and, and control the tempo of the game typically uh, end near the top of the table.
1: We spoke to, to Tommy a, a couple of weeks ago and he spoke very highly of you as a coach and what he's expecting of you to do at York. The question I asked him was, do you know all his secrets now? Do you know how to play against a Tommy Weldon cavalry side?
7: Uh, You know, I'm sure Tommy will uh, come up with something new. He's... uh... Listen,
1: Tommy's uh, a great coach, but he's
7: also not one that just uh, rests on his laurels, so to speak. He's always looking to get better and improve and try new things. Um, You know, he's a forward thinker. So I'm sure he'll have new uh, twists and turns and everything else. Uh, Every year he's tried to advance his team um, in different ways. So, uh, you know, I think knowing the ability of a lot of the players is more where I could maybe try and hurt them. But, uh, you know, I yeah, I know Tommy's teams are going to want to press and control the tempo of the game and do those exciting things, but he'll have a few wrinkles or two to throw, even me, off uh, this season. So uh, it's good because it, he doesn't just say, oh, I'm good and just stick with it. He's always trying to improve and get better. And I think that's why Tommy's been so successful and why what makes him a, a really good coach.
1: So we obviously know what you were like as a player from your, your time here in Vancouver, what is a, a Martin Nash team going to look like on the pitch? I I imagine lots of tough tackling midfielders and a lot of skill, but yeah. it's like, what, how do you envisage this team playing without giving too many secrets away?
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I want the team to be aggra- aggressive and um, you know press the ball, hunt the ball, uh, not sit back and let other teams dictate the tempo of the game. Um, obviously, there's moments where that's going to happen, but I, I want to be the aggressor more often than not and. Uh, you know, I think the key moment in the game is what you do once you do win it. Can you make that decision where you transition to goal or do you keep it? And uh, it's one of the biggest moments in this league, whereas I think in the past this team has been a bit more, we're just going to go for it every time. So didn't really out-possess teams, but we're always in the game because they were really good in the counter-attack. I want them to, uh, to be a bit more of a possession team at times and, uh, you know, an aggressive team.
1: Last season... Best finish so far for for the team, fourth place. It it was a struggle down the stretch at at times, but they they got in there. How do you take this team now to the next level, take that next step? Because for the last couple of seasons, it's been the three teams. It's been Cavalry, it's been Forge, it's been Pacific. How do you now advance what York achieved last year and take them to that next level? Or is this more a kind of sounding out season, do you maybe feel?
7: Uh, you know I, I think there's gonna be maybe a bit of both. Um, you know, really gonna see who suits the way I want to play. Um, so far seems so good so uh, hopefully that continues. but you know some people don't always uh, take to the pressing game to the counter pressing game and uh, but right now I think I've got a good team uh, a lot of players that really well everyone's bought in and a lot of players that are really good at it. so um, you know I, I think, uh, to get this team to the next level, and that's really they got to be the aggressors. They got to be able to pressure and um, win the ball back and keep possession. Win to keep possession um, and be a bit more well-rounded as a team. Um, and yeah, they they did quite well last year, finishing fourth. But uh, you know, you, you look at it fourth, fifth, and sixth were one point difference, and and they were all ten points from uh, you know third, first, and second. Right, so. Um, there's a bit of a gap and we're trying to you know, make that gap less this year.
1: It's been a strange off-season in a lot of ways around the league. You've got teams like Edmonton that are, are still really putting their, their squad together. You've got Forge that's added a, a lot of top talent from a, around the league. And there's some teams that haven't had a huge rebuild and, and York is one of them. For from my working out, it looks like only eight players moved on. But one of those was a was a big one, which was a, your starting goalkeeper Nathan Ingham. Mm-hmm. Is is that what you wanted when you came in, just to, to build in the core that you've got and not basically just come in and, and blow the whole thing up?
7: Yeah, I mean, uh going into you know the interview i knew that uh the, the time there was I think there's 21 signed players and still needed a keeper <laughs> or 20 signed players still need a keeper. so i knew i was getting but i knew what i was coming into there's a lot of talent in this group obviously by making the playoffs last year um and tried to upgrade in certain positions before i got here so we'll see how those guys fit in and and how it goes but um you know there there is a talented group and i'm i'm expecting a lot of them this year and Um, You know, it might take a little bit of time but I think we'll get there
1: If you look at the guys that have come in I think it was like eight guys have come in four of them loaned to Edmonton Of the guys that that you have got and the guys that you've brought in who would be the ones that you you feel might be ready to make the impact right away for you or who should fans really be watching out for this season without, without putting too much pressure on them?
7: Yeah, I mean, new players that come in, I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm expecting a lot from all Oliver Manitil, um, mm-hmm. who's um, who I've worked with a lot. Uh, he's an experienced player, and he's, he's fully fit and ready to go. Uh, Mateo Hernandez, who was on loan last year, and he's finally got in. He's done really well in preseason, as well as uh, Sebastian uh, Gutierrez, who was here half of the season last year and didn't really get a ton of playing time. He's done really well in preseason, so he's an exciting uh, young prospect. So there's so some guys that have come in and done well um in preseason. Um even Eduardo Jesus, the young left back from Brazil, has come in and, and done quite well. So uh expect some of these players to get some minutes and grow this season and and see if they can keep up in their game every week and stay consistent. I think mean, that's a, a big, big thing with uh foreign players coming in. And can they be consistent? It, the the league's different in, in uh settling in Canada where you obviously the travel's massive within the league and some people take to it well and some people struggle on the road. You, you look at, uh, uh, if I'm not wrong, uh, Molonga was really good at home and wasn't great on the road the first season. And it was partially because the travel was a lot for him. He did, wasn't used to getting on a four-hour plane ride, and a three-hour playing ride, and then going and playing the next day. So uh, while he still had, did have good games in the road, he wasn't as effective as he was at home.
1: Yeah, that's something I've said on on our show a couple of times. Until I moved here, I knew Canada was a big country, but you don't fully appreciate exactly how big a a country it is. Yeah. Looking at the pre-season, from afar, it looks like scoring was maybe a a slight concern and issue for you. Four goals in in the seven games. Is that what you feel is one of your biggest concerns just now getting into the season? Or can you not really take too much from the pre-season?
7: Uh, well, it, it's been tough for many reasons. Uh, you know, I, of, of our center forwards that or the forwards that we have on our roster, um, uh, they only played in one game, so we were missing forwards, uh, for most of the preseason, Lowell's played, uh, played the last game only, I think, or maybe the last two. And, uh, and then we had some wingers, uh, abs use and big school score as well from last year who hasn't been playing in preseason for the most part. Um, so we were missing a lot of the attacking talent. Mikey Petrasso missed a bunch of bunch of time. So to only score, um, you know, uh, I think it was more like six goals. But yeah, um, not too many goals in preseason. It was uh, it was a little bit worrying. But I think with the players that we had missing in a lot of those games, it was uh, somewhat to
1: to be expected. Yeah, I went with Wikipedia stats, so that might not be a hundred percent correct. Then yeah.
7: I just did the math quickly. We scored uh, well twice against Forge, three against Vaughn, one against someone else, and we did get shut out twice and one against Pacific. So six or seven goals, yeah, but not not as, as you'd want.
1: Yeah. So l- last year there was a breakout year for for Lyle Wright, eighteen years old. I mean, he was outstanding. It feels mm-hmm. that there's a, a lot of weight on his shoulders. Then to come in and repeat that. What, what's your message been to him this year? I know he's going to be going away, with, with Canada uh, at the U twenty yeah. level as well. But are, are you trying to take the pressure off him a little bit? Yeah, I, I, you know,
7: I'm not trying to put any pressure on him in the first place from from my end. You know, uh, just to go out there and do the things we're asking him to do. And if the goals come, the goals come because he's uh you know he's creating a lot of asset facets of the game he needs to get better a lot of of the he holds all really well he's really strong he could finish he gets into good goal scoring areas so as long as he's doing all the little things I think the goals will, will come and the goals will uh, be there like they were last year so I'm expecting a little bit more than you know his stats were last year um st- assuming he stays fit and um, I think he's got a lot of upside. He's a he's a great young kid. And, uh, has a lot of ability, and it's it's really deserving of a national team call up. And um, hopefully, he goes there and does really well.
1: From the preseason games, what have you liked from what you've seen so far?
7: Uh, you know, I've I've liked the 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 way that we've been able to turn and be aggressive, um, and I like that we do have a lot of players that can possess the ball really well. Uh, which, is, which has really been really good. So um, there's a lot of good things to work with. And I like the attitude of the players. They've been fantastic, uh, really been working hard. It's great not to have to motivate a team for training um, when they just, you know, have enough guy characters to pull the team along if anyone's uh, dogging it a little bit in training and haven't really had to get on anyone yet for, um, you know, being, you know, not putting the effort in uh, on a daily basis. So everyone's working hard. Everyone wants to win. Um a really passionate group. And it's uh, it's fun when you just come to work and you just kind of run a session you don't have to worry about anything else.
1: What are you expecting this, this season from the CPL? Fours look strong again. Cavalry look strong again. Pacific's had a, a lot of changes, but they've brought some guys in. You've got the likes of Valor and Ottawa that seem to have considerably strengthened. It's early, you haven't seen anyone play yet, but but how do you see this season playing out?
7: Yeah, I think there's more parity in the league than there there has been in the past. Um, Valor are definitely going to be better than they were last year. Um, you know, Pacific will be as good, if not better, than they were last year, in my opinion. When you look at their roster, um, you know, is going to be strong as usual. Yeah, Ottawa's gotten better pieces, in my opinion. Um, Halifax is always going to be tough to beat. Uh, really organized team and then there's forge who has been the best team over the first three years so I, you know I think there I think it's gonna be a tougher race um there's there's no real gimme games in this league anymore um, where you used to have a few in them in the past and you could see teams that were kind of on the ropes so uh, I don't think that you're gonna see that i think it's gonna be a tighter race and um, you're gonna see more teams in the race coming down to the the wire
1: york's one one of these teams you're you're close to an MLS side, and you're fighting for a foothold in the market. You're fighting for publicity and coverage and in media. How difficult have you found it coming into a market like that from, say, Cavalry, where you were the, the the only professional football club around? And how do you grow the identity of the team in the local market now? Yeah, I mean, it's a
7: little bit different. Uh you know, Toronto is just a massive city. I think it's like third biggest in North America. So it's gigantic. Um, and that's taken the GTA, the whole, the whole Toronto area. It's, it's a really big city and um, there's enough room for multiple soccer teams in, in this city. As you look at countries like England and Italy, they have multiple teams in big cities. So obviously, um, you know, it's tough to compete against TFC and the MLS, but I think there's a, there's enough room in the market for, for our team. And, um, it's just uh, getting ourselves into the community and um, putting those little stepping stones in to slowly grow the uh, the crowds and the um, the fan base.
1: Fantastic! Good luck to you this season, Martin. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, a Martin Nash team's going to look like on the pitch. Good luck! I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow and just seeing how this season plays out. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Hopefully, I'll see you around the West Coast. Yeah. Hopefully. Take care, man. wish Martin all the very best, branching out with his own. Tommy spoke very highly often when we chatted a few shows back and I'm very interested to see just what a Martin Nash team is going to look like on the pitch. But that is it for our interviews for this special CPL episode. We'll unpack some of what was said and chat a little bit about all eight teams as we're going to do our AFTN CPL Power Rankings. And we're going to be back with all of that After this, I am Tommy Wilden
0: Jr., and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a band we've played before on the show. They're a Russian band, but before you throw things at the, the radio or wherever you're listening to this podcast... They're a band that we've talked about, they're very anti-government, they're very anti-Putin, and we were a little bit worried about them a couple of shows ago. We hadn't heard anything on their social media from them. They're called Ice Peak, but they're back, they're posting again. That is their new single, Dead But Pretty. They're an electronic punk band out of Moscow, and they've been a band that's had a lot of issues with the government in Russia over the years, Having their shows cancelled and disrupted, they've been arrested, and I mean, we spoke about it. It's it's tough when you're in a country and you're producing stuff like that, and the government don't want you basically around and producing this music. One of the other bands that we mentioned before, Moscow Death Brigade, they've also been posting, and they've got out of Russia. They're doing a European tour, which I think is the the best place for them just now because. They're very, very much uh, an anti-government band. But anyway, check out Ice Peak. I hope to make them Artist of the Month at some point this year as well, (laughs) because they've got a lot of really good and very interesting stuff. But for the final part of this episode, we're going to do something that we haven't really done per se, and that is kind of power rankings. And I'm going to do it for League One BC as well before that season gets underway. But before we get into that, I just wanted to chat a little bit from from the interviews that we've had earlier in the show and just to to bring Zach in now into this. Just to to look at the the teams that, that we have been chatting about. And let's start off with the champs. Pacific FC defending their title, Zach. They were third last year in the regular season. Now, seven players have come in as we discussed uh, a number of them there with James. Some key departures on the playing side. Nine players have moved on. Two big ones to TFC. Caden Chung, Lucas McNaughton. And we spoke about this with Rob Friend. This is what Pacific want to do. They want to develop players. They want to move them on to the next level, whether that be MLS, whether that be Europe, whether that be wherever in the world. Um, Two of them and Caden and Lucas have done that with TFC and great starts to the season from both of them so far.
2: Yeah, the last game I thought um, Lucas has actually scored with that little header, but it was actually went off the defender next to him. <laughs> yeah, it's been really encouraging watching them play for TFC and kick on at, uh, at the MLS uh, level. And yeah, like you said, this is how Rob and uh, the team over at Pacific are uh, structuring things. and I think they're really pleased with with uh, oh, you know how things have gone, uh, especially you know Lucas you know getting a, a transfer fee. And uh, yeah, that obviously will help the club in the long term.
1: And Victor Blasco went and joined a club in Honduras. So you're talking about moving players on to a, a different level. I guess what Pacific and other teams are not really hoping to do is develop players for then Forge to come in and take them. And that's exactly what has happened with Terran Campbell and Alessandro hojapur I'm still surprised in some ways that they, they went to, to Forge, but just the way that this league works and the way that contracts work, not so much. But all of those guys and the other guys that they've lost as well, there's some big departures there and some big shoes to fill.
2: Yeah, I think it. I mean, it comes. It's a sideways move, right? Uh, But I think it just comes down to the economics, and and I think they probably wanted more money, were able to get more money at Forge, and so that's why they they went that route. Uh, Yeah, hopefully for them as players, it's a, a good thing, and they continue to progress and develop and you know can maybe move on but um i think from pacific yeah i mean i think they're they're happy with their model and will continue to continue to move forward in the, the 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 course that they've charted out
1: now we we talked about a number of the additions with James there so we we won't go through it but i do want to chat to you about three of them now yeah. the first one center back amir didic i'm a big fan of amir I really had hoped the Whitecaps would have taken a look at him when they, they had him in for pre-season last year. That didn't happen. I I said to, to James there, I feel he's a bit of an upgrade on Lucas. I, I don't know whether you can say that he is, but he's a very solid centre-back. And in this league, he's one of the standout centre-backs.
2: Yeah, I think it would be fair to say his potential's as high, or sorry, at least as high as Lucas Mithinan or potentially higher. I think that's I think that's fair to say. Yeah,
1: that's maybe a better way of wording it.
2: And I think he, he, yeah, feels a void. The you know, a void that you know, if they hadn't brought in someone of his quality, would there would have been a huge hole in the team. So it, it's a really good pickup, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see you know how it, how it plays out. And I, I mean, I wonder how much playing for a team that's kind of just in a better situation will encourage or inspire Amir to you know to to maybe you know up his game more you know like yes he he spent a lot of time in Edmonton and there's a lot of I don't know for lack of a better term there's a lot of depressing things about you know (laughs) what's you know what's happened at FC Edmonton in their in their history in the CPL and beforehand but I think this could you know inspire him or encourage him to to play at or above his levels uh, or like you know continue to develop even further Uh, because yeah he's I mean the thing is he is a guy who has had these whatever chances or half chances at you know a different level right at the MLS level and it hasn't happened so I think he knows that if he wants to if he wants to get at that level you know or wants to be able to make you know more money as a professional footballer he is going to need to be better more consistent uh you know to step things up and so he has the chance to do it. I think he's in a better place. He's in a better situation to be able to do that. And so I, I hope I hope he'll be able to.
1: Yeah, and when you talk about him being one of the standouts in the CPL so far, you look at this, the team he's been playing on as well. So that is a very good point. He's going to be in a, a better quality team. Will that take him to, to the next level? I mean, last year, Pacific were the highest scorers in the league with 47 goals, which was eight more, than the next best team, which was Forge. They only had the second best goal difference, though, because they gave up 34 goals. So defensively, has been a bit of an issue for them. But they have strengthened with a a few additions there. Nathan Mavila, I liked him in cavalry. I think he's a great pickup for, for Pacific. And you've got a very strong back line now over at Pacific.
2: Yeah, question for you about that. Is he going to supplant Jordan Haynes? Jordan Haynes, or play maybe further up the field, or...?
1: I don't know, because, I mean, James talked there about it's going to be a good battle between these two, and I think he would be probably your first-choice starter there. Okay. With maybe playing two-thirds of the game, Haynes a third, but I could also maybe see them playing him a little bit further up as well. I, I don't know, it's going to be an interesting one, but he's a good pickup. Quality, quality. Decision. And both those guys know the league as well, which I feel is important. The, yeah. the, the last guy I want to talk about as well, who won't be appearing now in the the season opener because he's going to be away with a Canadian under-20 oh, national oh, team, yeah. which is it's disappointing, the, the timing of that camp, but we won't get into that just now. Cam Habibula... On loan for the season from the Whitecaps, regular listeners to the show will know I'm a huge fan of Cam and what he offers. He needs this. He needs this season of development at a better level than MLS Knicks Pro. He needs to be around a proper competitive environment that's season long. and He's done well so far pre-season. He's going to be playing, I feel, with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder just to show the Whitecaps what he can do and I'm really excited to to see what he can do there
2: where is he going to play like pacific mostly played like mm. a 433 right or a 4231 right?
1: well that was under par right because we don't really know no yeah for i mean sure. james has said it will be it will be similar but with a merriman twist or a merriman flavour so we mm. have to still wait to see what that's going to be i could see them playing him maybe out wide but i don't know that that's the best plays for him. I'd like to see him coming through the middle. Hmm. Maybe they go four, three, one, two. Maybe they try and do a white caps thing with with three at the back and a
2: couple of wing backs. Because yeah, I was gonna say, like where does he play, right? Because if you like where do you what do you what do you think is best for him? Because I I mean Bustos is gonna play either behind strikers or out on the right wing. Right. that's yeah. where he's played most mostly. So if, he, if they're playing with three across top, Bustos is going to be on the right side. Does Cam go on the left? Possibly. Or is he, or is he better a little bit further back?
1: I, I like him a little bit further back where he's got more chance to, to run. But yeah. what, one of the parts of his game that he really has to work on as well is not to be so selfish when he's on the ball and just keep running at people. He's got to be aware and maybe playing him on the wing would allow him to do that more. But I don't know, but this is a big year for him. And I think he's going to seize this opportunity with both hands. I think it's a very exciting attack. I think it's a very solid defence. It's whether they can get the, the midfield going. I mean, my big question for you, I'll ask you two big questions here. How big a loss will Pa be? And I say that in terms of what he can bring from a motivational standpoint, which I'm not saying James won't bring, but Pa's got that quality that I think he can get a little bit extra out of players. And I think Pa's attitude was key to them down the stretch when they went on that bad run. They they lost six of their last nine matches to close out the regular season, but he lifted them and got them over the line in the end. So I I think coaching-wise, it's going to be very similar styles, everything like that. But how big a loss will Pa be in that dressing room?
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's a massive loss. But I think the bigger the bigger questions will be around how James is able to make the transition from an assistant coach to the head coach, right? Because your role is significantly different. Your interactions with the players typically are significantly different, right? As the assistant coach, you can be more of the friend and you know. Whereas the manager, you have to be more of the, you know, the boss, right? So he has had opportunity to learn from a lot of quality people, including Pa. So it'll be, how does he do in this, his first big role as a head coach? He has Uh,
1: taken a game before, the last game of the 2019 season against Valor, which they won. I was at that game. (laughs) He has a 100% winning record so far as a head
2: coach right but yeah but now I get now it's real yeah. um but i mean it's, that, it's it's
1: real and they've got a huge target on their back as defending champs yeah
2: then that's the other thing is how much does he how much is he able to let let go of you know whatever pressure comes from that you know um it, it, this is this will be massive like i think rob said a number of weeks ago james is someone they always wanted to see as their head coach you know this local guy local connections loves the island He's for the island, loves the club. This was, you know, part of their their ideal, um, maybe a little bit earlier than they maybe would have liked. But, um, yeah, I, so I just hope they'll be backed, you know. I hope they'll back them even if things are rough. I,
1: I think they will. They, they, they strike me as a, as a club that, that would do that. I mean, the, the other question is, can they repeat? Can they win another championship? Because they're going to be now facing mm. what Forge faced last year, which is the, they've got a, a potentially good run ahead of them in the Canadian Championship. It's a favourable draw. They're going to be in the CONCACAF League. There's all these mm. extra games now. The season's not as compact, so that helps them. Yeah. But I don't know that they are, and we'll come to this when we get to our rankings, but I don't think they're they're at the level and have strengthened maybe as good as some of the other teams have. I think it's going to be tough for them.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I think that um, can they repeat? And that's a really hard question. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The the league format is the same, right? Yes. So, yeah, you're not asking, are they going to finish first in the table? You're asking, are they going to oh, finish yeah. top, top four or make a run, to win the, the, the playoff? So I think, yes, I think it's possible that they could repeat. I think it'll be very hard to, though. But ultimately... And I think I said this last year, and I probably said it. I think the year before at the uh, Island Games, as Marco Bustos goes, so goes Pacific FC, yes. which 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 I know last year, which I know last year he was out a bunch, and they they overcame that. But I still think that that's the biggest, like the biggest factor for their season as a whole.
1: Yeah, and there's a couple of teams I feel like that. Yes. That there's one guy that if he goes down, they are in a lot of trouble. And we'll, we'll come to a few of them in a sec. If we talk about teams then that, that has been in a, a lot of trouble, FC Edmonton. <laughs> Poor Alan. That's, I mean, he's, he's upbeat about it as much as you can be. It's an off-season you really wouldn't wish on any coach or any team. They're currently looking for new owners. They they struggled last season. They finished second bottom of the standings. They were eight points back of the playoffs. They only got six wins, twenty eight points, thirty four goals for, forty one against. The latter of which was the second worst in the league. So they were they were conceding a lot. They only retained two players. Although Shamit Shome is now back on on loan as part of the 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 weird structuring of the of the league this year. He's one of 11 loan players that, that Edmonton have. Three from Halifax, two from Forge, and four from York in, in CPL terms, along with two interesting loanees from TFC, centre-back Luke Singh, that is a very, very good addition for them. And I guess yeah. he's their replacement for Amir Didic, like Amir Didic is Pacific's <laughs> replacement for, for Lucas McNaughton.
2: Yeah, because wasn't there that was sort of a bit of the rumour that... yeah. He was uh, going to be sing. going to Pacific was the yeah, original rumor. exactly. That Singh was kind of like, "Hey, you, we bought what's name from you, but you're going to get, you're going to get sing on loan." Mm-hmm. But I mean, to be honest, I'd rather have Amir Didic. I think. Me too. And then
1: they've also got Estonian goalkeeper Andreas Veikla, who I I think will be a a good addition and is probably going to be a very busy guy, as all the goalkeepers that will be taking the pitch for Edmonton, you kind of feel might be this year.
2: yeah it's a a
1: tough season ahead for them i mean surely anything but last is going to be a massive achievement
2: as harsh as that might sound yeah i think you're right (laughs) like i think that's the expectation is that they're gonna prop up the table um you you feel you feel for them but you just kind of hope that in one sense it's like the hope of the whole league right like in terms of Yeah, things are not easy yeah oh yeah things are not easy you've come through two seasons that have been drastically impacted by a worldwide pandemic and you know you just hope that it that doesn't you know hurt any of your founding clubs you know um and so i i just hope that they can find the right um people to actually own the club and And help it move forward you mean well yeah i mean
1: it's such a shame because they're such a staple of canadian soccer they 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 were they were flying the flag for canadian soccer way before canadian premier league and all all this stuff that's that's going on just now
2: yeah and as for all their faults i mean the the faffs do have to be thanked i think for the role that they played in football in edmonton but having said that there's also a lot of improving that, that needs to happen and the right ownership needs to be brought in there. It's interesting that the guy who's sort of brought in to run the club is from the group that owns the Oilers, but mm. it doesn't sound like that group is planning on being the new owners of of, of the club, unfortunately, because no. I, think, I think that would be really, really helpful in the community as a whole.
1: I think it might be tough for him to get new owners and a, a lot could hinge on whether Edmonton is picked as a World Cup city. Yeah. If, it, if you've got the World Cup coming, yeah. all of a sudden FC Edmonton's in the spotlight. If Edmonton's ends up not, I don't know.
2: Wasn't there some news there that um Yeah, the
1: Alberta government had said that they would put in I think it was a hundred million dollars in into it, but they want five games and they want a round of 16 game and a round of 32 game
2: which would yes. make sense because i mean toronto is even with expansion toronto is not that big right like for yes. stadium wise i mean stadium wise
1: so i mean i see why how why they've done it because then if they don't get their demands they say well at least we tried and we were willing to do this but edmonton needs a lot of infrastructure especially travel wise and other facilities So that could be dependent on the owners. But the other thing as well is like, we keep getting told Edmonton is a soccer city and we have seen it at international games, men and women's. But FC Edmonton have been struggling to draw four figure crowds. And with the team this year, it's tough to see that they can do big, big numbers. So how do you get people to come and watch this team?
2: Yeah, and that's where I think some hard work needs to be done. Right, like I remember when they brought in Jay Ball, and he was all talk about all this stuff, and you know, with the within the community and with working with clubs and all this kind of stuff, and it 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 failed. Like, I mean, the bottom line is it failed. So I don't know what they, I don't know exactly what they did or didn't do, but I, yeah, there needs to be a ton of work done in the community, and uh, and my understanding is yeah, there needs to be a lot of work done with the local clubs.
1: Yeah, let let's turn our attention to York United. They made the playoffs for the, the first time last season in fourth by a solitary point. It was a struggle for them and some others down the stretch. Uh, I'm not sure, though, that they're in a position to move on from that and take that next step from from what I'm seeing. I can only see them re- regressing. And you yeah, look at some of the teams that finished below them, and I feel they've strengthened much better than, than York have improved. Now, there wasn't a lot of rebuilding at York. Only eight players moved on. But a big one for them was goalkeeper Nathan Ingham that's gone to to Ottawa. Eight players have come in. Of the guys that's come in, the only one that really stands out for me is Oliver Minatel from from Cavalry. I think he's their best addition. It hasn't been an exciting off-season for them. And they've struggled to score pre-season. Still time for chemistries to get going, guys to hit their, their stride and... One thing which the stats don't show, as Martin talked about there, is they they were missing a a number of their attacking players in these pre-season friendlies. So they haven't been playing, which of course means goals aren't likely to come in such good numbers. Last year, three players led the team with six goals, Abze, Rivero and Wright. Now, the Spaniard Rivero has moved on. So all of a sudden you're looking at an 18-year-old forward, Lyle Wright, as a guy that's got a lot of weight in his shoulders that's a lot to be expected to kind of maybe lead the line for for a team like this yeah and I a mean, new head coach
2: yeah i mean you yeah that's i think the key thing I, I i mean i've talked to some people from york actually while i was in toronto and i think they're really keen to see what having a different kind of coach can do for their for the you know their results on the pitch i think there was you know jim brennan obviously is a a bigger name in canadian football when it comes to the canadian men's national team and you know it's time at tfc and all that kind of stuff but i think having a different kind of coaches i think there's a feeling that they could have done uh more even like to progress last year uh beyond their you know high you know relatively high placing for them in fourth yeah but yeah it'll be you're right i mean they haven't had a I don't know that the player movement is what you would hope for a team to no, you know No, I'm very surprised.
1: Like even when they were, they sent out a a press release for their media day and it was like we know we know we've been pretty quiet this off season and it's like I hadn't even really thought and I was like oh yeah actually I haven't had many emails from them and then when I was looking at all the additions for this show I was like wow they have been really
2: quiet this off season. Well, Lowell, Lowell writes in that U20 squad too, so that's not going to help them at the beginning of the season either. <laughs> yeah. right?
1: I mean, he was outstanding for them yeah. last year. Six goals, 18-year-old kid. He was like their shining light. But, I mean, you, you need to be getting somebody else to, to step up there. So I think one of the, the questions that I would have, Ken, something which we're excited to try and find out, is just what is a, a Martin Nash team going to look like on the pitch? As I said to him there, I'm hoping it's tough tackling, take no prisoners kind of style from the midfielders with a lot of skill thrown in there as well. But he talked there that he's wanting it to be very much a pressing team and then also to be very intelligent with what they do when they win the ball. You don't always have to press, win the ball and then just go all out attack, which often means that you're going to give it up again. Sometimes the sensible Decision to go back a little bit with the the play is is an important aspect of it as well, but it is going to be interesting to see how he kind of stamps his personality and his playing style on his players on the pitch. But that's three of the teams. We we've already chatted in previous shows about cavalry and, and valor, so we, we won't delve into them uh, again. We you can check out our interviews with Tommy Fielding Junior. In episode 504 and Phil DeSantis in episode 503 to hear our thoughts on those two teams. So there's three other teams that we haven't gotten around to yet and I haven't had the chance to sit down with their head coaches. I hope to at some point this month, just I ran out of time basically with so much going on in the end between the national team, Whitecaps, Whitecaps 2. We'll chat about the, the three other teams as, as we go through Kind of CPL power rankings, if you want to call it that, but basically it's really just where we think they might finish from first to eighth over over the course of the season. Are we both in agreement Edmonton's eighth?
2: Yes, we concur on this. Okay.
1: So I'll give you my top four in order. I've got, this is for regular season standings. Yep. I have Forge finishing first, Cavalry finishing second, Pacific finishing third, much like last season, and then Valor getting the the fourth spot. I I like the additions that Phil Desantis has made there.
2: Yeah, and I don't really want to disagree with you on that, which I know is not great for a podcast. Mm. But if I was to disagree, I would like to me. It's hard to n- not see a, a CPL top four include Forge and Calvary, yes. right? Like you 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 can't imagine those teams finishing out based on their experience, the quality and strength of their squads and their you know um, ongoing uh, coaching staffs that you know know the league and kind of know how to get results and and deal with the, the various pressures that they're under. Um, so I, I think I think those two are in the top four for sure. I might say just and I maybe I'll be very, very wrong on this, but I think there's a chance that Pacific breaks into the top two. See, I think, I
1: think there could be a chance and I this could depend on chemistry, boostos, whatever, that they, they struggle to get into the top four. I, yeah. I think it could be that, a tough one.
2: That's fair, but I think I think that there's a chance that it goes the other way. I think I think you're right. It could yo yo either way. But I, 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 I could see them actually building on on what they did last year. You know I, what hope I mean? so. Like because I think my understanding is that they're going to be, I think, better supported at the gate, and I think that's I think going to help on the pitch, and I think but that's going remember, to help off More the, off games the pitch. as well in different competitions. And no, no, yeah, I I know, but those most oh, well, I guess the Voyager's Cup is in May this year, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, oh, so, yeah. so much but, of
1: this as well for all these teams depends on injuries because last year for some of the teams was insane, including Forge, who got off to a, a poor start. Because they were so beat up, right? So I mean, whatever team can stay healthy, is going to make a have a better shot at it. I mean, if since we're talking about Forge, like they topped the regular season standings last year, they lost the championship final, they got to the semis in the Canadian Championship, they qualified for the Champions League through the Concacaf League, they gave a good account of themselves in their their matchup in the Champions League. So we know what a powerhouse that they are. And we we know that they were gutted to to lose and not three-peat last last year. I I feel just the amount of games that they were playing ended up taking a toll on them in the end, uh, along with the injuries. But they've always got that good core. Only six players moved on. They've got 11 new additions. Campbell and Hojapur from Pacific. Ashton Morgan from RSL. Poku from TFC. Yeah. former Wanderer and Whitecaps trialists, Sissoku as well. Yeah, I mean, they, you look at that and you're like, wow, that's a strong team. Yeah, They were the second highest scorers last season with 39 goals, which yeah. was Mo and- Bibuli leading the team with 10 of them. He's moved on. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to see past them. And, like, Valor, I think it's early. But what I'm seeing from PDS... From additions-wise, how they've been playing some of these preseason games—they've got a, a bit of a a pep to their step. So I think they could be the team that get into the top four, but I think it'll be a battle between Pacific Valor and Ottawa.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you there too. I, just to be different, I'll go, I'll go Forge, uh, Pacific, then Cavalry, then uh, I'm going to s- agree with you on Valor. I mean, I've got Ottawa's fifth. Which they have made, I mean, Ottawa, it'll be like, how good are these guys that came in on loan?
1: Like, Ottawa's had two tough seasons, and this is their first kind of real proper season uh, as a league club. Last season, semi-proper. But they finished bottom of the pile last season. 26 points. There were two adrift of the nearest team, which was Edmonton, and there were 10 points out of the playoff places. The the second lowest goals for 30, the most goals against 47, only six wins. It all cost Mista his job in the end. Finally. Yeah. All season we're like, oh, he's not going to hang on. He's not going to hang on. The guy that's taken over though, this is a surprise to me. He's been in charge of the Kuwaiti national team. So he's managed at international level. Carlos Gonzalez. He's never coached though at club level outside academy. But he's, so he's never coached a proper men's club. He has with, been with Atlético Madrid's academy up to under nineteen level, but this is his first taste of club football. It's a tough, tough first taste of club football for him.
2: Yeah, uh, that's why I'm not going to put them as high as you. So we'll have some diff, a little bit of differentiation well, on that's the, top good. Of the table, and um, just for fun, I'm going to put them seventh. Okay. So Edmonton, 8th, them 7th. I'm going to put York uh, in 5th because... I, I had York in 6th. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm going to put the York in 5th and I'm going to put Halifax in 6th.
1: Yeah, I had Halifax 7th. Yeah. See, with Ottawa, they've had a massive overhaul on the playing side. So we, we don't really know what this team's going to be like. 18 players moved on. 12 signed players came in. Four of them from CPL teams, and it's good additions. It's Nathan Ingham in goal, yeah. big pickup. He'll battle it out with a guy that we know well, Sean Melvin, that, yeah. that's coming from the USL. Defender Maxim Tiso from Forge. Forge, yeah. Midfielders Ollie Bassett from Pacific and Kevin Alleman from Valor. This is now his third CPL club. He's bouncing yeah. around a lot and not really lighting it up either. No. They've got a couple of other big additions though. Englishman Carol Haworth. Uh, he returns to Ottawa after playing with the yes. Fury. Yeah, but for years I think, had the fans six will seasons love that. there. Yeah, twenty-six yeah. goals. Thirty-two-year-old French midfielder Abdul Sissoku. he's an interesting addition. He's previously played in uh, Liga Un and La Liga, but that was a few few seasons ago. Now, I do like. Their Portuguese draft pick that they signed. Jose Cunha. I saw him play a few games with Cape Breton. He's an interesting addition. And he's not your usual kind of draft pick as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. So they have got two low knees. A Mexican forward. Vladimir Moragrega. From Atletico San Luis. And Spanish defender. From Atletico Madrid's B team. Balutabla. Is another interesting addition,
2: right? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I forgot. About Are him.
1: his best days beyond him?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Feel bad for him. Did you see? I saw on their on their website for Ottawa home opener. Pay what you can. Yes. Proceeds for humanitarian assistance to support Ukrainians.
1: Yes, I liked that. That's very. That nice. was a nice
2: touch. Yeah.
1: Hopefully, they get a really good attendance, and hopefully, folk put some some money in their pockets. Last team then to look at, you've got them 6th, I've got them 7th, it's Halifax. I mean, they had a chance to make the playoffs last year, but again, they stuttered down the the home stretch when it mattered most, finishing one point out of 6th. And not a lot of off-season change, that's why I think they might regress. Only 8 players out, and for me none of them were major losses. And the only player of note for me is really TFC midfielder Aidan Daniels, like former TFC midfielder. Mm-hmm. last year they had 10 players that scored for them, João Morelli led the way with 15 goals Yeah. the next highest scorer was 3, Samuel Salter and a lot of Morelli's goals were penalties but they all, all count you can't rely on one guy it's what we're talking about with Bustos, this was one of the other teams I was kind of alluding to anything happens to Morelli you feel Halifax is screwed they're in a lot of trouble, yeah But it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. It's a long season. It's a better schedule. There's some weird anomalies like Pacific, three home, three away, three home, three away. In some ways, it's good because it cuts down traveling. You can just have it in batches. It's good for fans. But there's been murmurs that there could be rights for the league sold to something outside of One Soccer. One Soccer might sell the rights. I haven't heard any more on that, but that Mm. would be interesting. That would be. Because I feel this league needs more eyes on it. And as much as one soccer's done a great job in promoting Canadian soccer and investing Canadian soccer, you're still talking that the general public's not going to be shelling out to watch it. And it just needs, even if it's a game of the week or a highlight show or something on one of the main channels... We've got to get more eyes in the league. It's such an exciting time for Canadian soccer, and this league is flying the flag for Canadian players. And I just want more folk to to love it, watch it, attend it, and hopefully, pretty soon, we'll be talking about the new Lower Mainland team as well in a in a show in the not too distant future.
2: Yeah. How many how many weeks ago was that interview with Rob Friend?
1: It was episode 500, so I think that was the end of February. So we're probably talking about
2: five, six, six weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I think on that show, what did he said, uh, six to eight weeks was yeah. that what he said. Yep. So we're so coming up. Ex- expect the stadium announcement in the next week or two, or by, by, uh, this month, I think you, you'll, hear, yes. you'll hear. Good. You'll hear good news about the stadium.
1: I will bet my house on that, which uh, <laughs> it better happen because I'm renting, yeah, as I know, as man. I like to do as a running joke. But that is it for our CPL chat. It's not it for the show. We're going to finish, as always, with this episode's wavelength. We're going back to 2021, a band we featured a couple of times already, Armchair Loyal. They had a football-themed album called All You Need Is In Love. I'm working my way through it. This is track number three. It's called Young, Gifted and Right Back.
4: I was cocky and a bully, and spoiled as a kid Every year I had a new Barca home and away kit I played for the county, and all the girls loved me My exploits on the pitch, got a trial down at Ipswich They said I was too small, scumphorps said the same I cried myself to sleep, and nearly quit the game I wrote to 92 league clubs, but only got one answer And now I'm number 37 for Crew Alexandra
0: Right back Right where I began. Right back. Right back. where I began. Right back. Right back. where I began. Right back. Right back. where I began.
4: My first year and I'm player of the season. United came to watch me and there's talk of a million. A cold, wet, windy Tuesday night at Gresty Road. A first-half booking and a second-half own goal. Fergie called his interest, but I heard Arsene Wenger is coming to our game. This weekend in Chester, one reckless tackle and a broken metatarsal. And that's the
0: end of my dream move to Arsenal. Right back, right back, where I be right Back, right back. where I be right back, right back. where I be I right back, right back. Where I be right back, right, back. where I be right back, right, back. where I be guide right back, right,
4: back. where I be right back, right, back. where I be gone. Three years of bad luck, my career was a shambles my Achilles, ACL and both ankles. Spent my days in the bookies, my nights getting drunk. My page three stunner girlfriend left me four Razor runner My contract terminated when tested for cocaine. Five games for Rochdale, then I'm sacked for the same. Now it's last chance saloon, I'm damaged and fatigued. But I have a trial for lower-stop in the Eastern Counties League.
0: Drive right back, ride right right where back, I be right right back. back right back where i be guys back right where i be guys back, right, right, back, right. right. back right where i be got, right, right, back right where i be guys back right where i be guys back right
1: will be the sea. Armchair loyal, young, gifted and right back We've had some interesting right backs over the, the years here <laughs> in Vancouver Some good Some memorable for the wrong reasons <laughs> And some memorable for the right reasons. But a great song there. Sampling the, the theme tune from Tales of the Unexpected that takes me back to my childhood watching that in the 70s and 80s in the UK. Also for Steve, it's it's got a sample at the end of Eric Cantona's Seagulls and Trawler speech that, yeah. that he did. It's so that's a, that's a good song. Check out their album, Armchair Loyal. They're on Bandcamp. It's a great album. All football songs. We've played three so far. We've got a lot more to come. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Thank you for being with us. Just before you go, Zach, any final thoughts? Anything you've learned? Anything you want to say about the CPL season as it's about to get underway?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ZacharyAM. And yeah, I hope, uh, whether it's through one soccer or some other means that people this year will be engaged or more engaged with the league, um, especially as... The Vancouver 2023 team continues to take, uh, the club continues to take shape and is, yeah, birthed here in the months ahead. Um, it's a really exciting time for football in the in the Lower Mainland.
1: It certainly is. It's, it's magnificent. We've got League One BC kicking off next month. CPL here kicking off in 2023. I can't wait for the CPL to get back this season. There's going to be a lot of stories. We're going to be covering it all season long. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at aft in Canada. Give us a like, subscribe, everything like that on YouTube. YouTube.com backslash aft in Canada. If you love local Canadian football, local BC football, check out all our videos from the VMSL and the Imperial Cup and BC Provincial Cup kicks off this weekend as well with the B Cup. Then after Easter, all the other cups as well will be having videos and full coverage on YouTube and on the site. And also, if you enjoy the show, please give us a, a like, a review, thumbs up, whatever it is on your podcast feeds. It would mean a lot, help with the algorithms and all that stuff. We will be back soon. Until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and mon
4: the CPL. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the World Service of a Saturday afternoon, frankly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous somehow comforting isn't it you know legendary names fathers and sons on the terraces cheesy peas at half time pipe for dad mums at home making the tea ah oh, everything's all right with the world isn't it saturday afternoon is football hmm?